Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The first scripture we'll read out of two is Psalm 33, 1 through 9. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And this is Luke 13, 18 18 through 20. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? This is the word of the Lord. My name is Mark, I'm the pastor here at The Vine, and I'm so excited that you guys are here today. We are continuing in our second chapter in our series on peacemaking, where we are exploring what, is, what does it look like for us to be able to communicate peace? What is a language of peacemaking? We started off by exploring the redemptive art of listening, how peacemakers are going to be well-trained to listen well. Then last week, or the last sermon that we had was around a finding and discovering a new vocabulary of peacemaking. And today, we're going to conclude this section of our series by exploring the power of art, how art can be a, an incredible, incredible tool to make peace in our world. So let's just think back to our community question just a little bit earlier. What is the piece of art or the mode or medium of art that you couldn't do without? Let me hear a couple of your answers. Music. Who else was music? Was that the one? Okay. Anyone else? What's that? Magic? Okay. Cool. (laughs) I love it. Couldn't do without it. All right. Anybody? Literature? Okay. Film, movies? Theater? Thank you. Painting? Books? Yeah. Architecture? Yeah. All these things, it's impossible to imagine for me going through life without art. You know, what would it be like to live without there ever being music or dancing? What would it be like if every painting and visual art that we've ever made just disappeared and evaporated? Like what would be missing within the human experience if stories and film and theater just didn't exist? I don't think that we would know how to be fully human. It's a part of who we are, is that we were created as creators. We, in reflection of who God is, were made to appreciate and form art. And uh, this world doesn't just need theologians and evangelists and pastors. This world is desperate for artists. And oftentimes, art can teach us and convict and present good news better than theologians, teachers, and evangelists, right? 
Because oftentimes what art does, or what art, the power of art, is that it conveys beauty and truth and compassion and love in a deeper language than the right side of our brain really can hold. And what makes me sad is we've lived in a generation where much of our Christian energy has been on that right side of the brain, like figure out how the systematic theology works and to make sure that we understand truth and the power of truth. And for me to go in this world and try to convince you of, the, of what truth is. But there's this whole other part of our personhood that we can engage with God and we can communicate who God is in a life with God through art. This devaluing that we've had in, in our day around art, um, often though, I also get really nervous when there's Christian art, right? Like you just kind of prepare yourself for a worse version of art that we just say it's okay because it's Christian. And uh, I just think it, one, it just, just really mourns God's heart for like God, the ultimate creator, saying this is my expression of truth and goodness and beauty in this world. I think the church has a calling and in our generation has a calling to, to re-enchant the value of good art. What art can do. Because to be honest, this hasn't always been the case. When you look through human history, some of the best art was formed and fashioned out of a devotion to God and a longing to express the gospel in this world. Think of the writings of people like C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. Think of the sense of awe and wonder that maybe you've had when you've stepped into a cathedral in Europe and you've seen this place that has housed worship and prayer for generation and generation and you're just automatically moved to a sense of awe and wonder of the bigness and the vastness of God. Or think about how the world flocks to see the David or the Sistine Chapel. Consider the music that has moved people through generations, whether it's John Coltrane's Love Supreme or Handel's Messiah, this expression of worship that people have had, and that's not done in Christian music. It's just beautiful music, right? Great art is not just a powerful tool for us to go into this world to communicate what peace might be, but it's also our opportunity to reflect the ultimate creator. This is why I believe that it's a sin to bore people with the gospel. That's an old young life saying, if y'all are, it's a sin to bore people with the gospel. And I think sermons are also, could be considered a part of that too. It's a sin to bore people with bad art. It grieves the creative God whom we seek to reflect in this world. And I think this conversation is actually really, really important when it comes into the dialogue that we're having around making peace, because oftentimes for us to make peace, we have to engage this world in a different way than the debating that we have just normalized in our, in our different spheres of communication. For us to go into the world and present a different type of truth and goodness and beauty through artwork. So let's consider for a second how artwork can create peace. For me, good art, this is just kind of my list of what I, I have experienced how good art can create peace. Good art can create peace by putting you, it puts you in someone else's shoes. When you watch a movie, you're spending like two hours living in someone else's reality. Before watching the movie Castaway, someone asks you, are you going to cry about someone losing a volleyball? You'd say, no, never. But after experiencing you know, just seeing Franklin float away. Will... <laughs> hey, guys, take it easy, all right? It's about peacemaking. Take it easy. It's, it's not, it's Franklin? 
Wilson, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right, Wilson. See, but who would have known that you would still know the name of volleyball and be so protective of the name of this volleyball so many years later? But it's like you, you experience what this person went through and his only friend just floating away and you just, you just felt for a little bit of what it means to be deeply lonely. This is what good art can do. It can put you in someone else's shoe. Good art can also teach in a way that provokes and stays with you. You've probably been taught about grace you could be taught or you could hear a lesson about it. Or you could hear the priest in Les Mis say to Jean Valjean, you forgot the candlesticks too. And that stays with you. That story, that moment, it just stays with you. Uh, good art also helps us imagine what could be. Art has this invitation to the participant. It's a subtle invitation, but the invitation is this. Imagine another world with me. And sometimes that world that we can imagine is one that's rooted in peace and goodness. Imagine another world that's not just, it's just not formed by the contention and the violence that we have just in our culture and our society. Just imagine another world with me. This is what art can do. Art also helps us, um, it can also be a conduit for hope. I remember hearing Michael Stipes from R.E.M., I know I'm dating myself, uh, talk about uh, his music, and someone asked him, I was like, tell me about the, the song Everybody Hurts, and he said that he uh, has heard from so many people how that one song literally saved their life when they just didn't know if they could go through one more day and this song spoke to them and there's something about feeling seen and known and this call just to hold on. And how, when he wrote that song, he had no clue the impact it would make. That, my friends, is the power of art. And if you were to look at these four uh, ways in which art can make peace, just think about the power of these four things. So the first one, uh, being put in another one's shoe, that teaches you empathy. Good art can teach in a way that provokes and stays with you. This can, art gives wisdom. Art also helps us imagine what could be. That art can inspire us and give us wonder. And art also can be a, a source of great healing in our world. That, my friends, is the power of peacemaking that art can do. When was the last piece of art that actually stayed with you like that? That actually kind of provoked and stirred something in you? That either gave you empathy, wisdom, inspiration, or healing? When was the last time that you were confronted by a piece of art? This past week, I saw a video on Instagram, and this has stayed with me. This has kind of occupied my mind this week. A seesaw constructed along the border between Mexico and America. Just children playing, bobbing up and down, along the very source of so much pain and contention, so much debate and hatred, the longing for hope, the looking for home, where adults battle, rage, where violence happens, and this art just children playing and giggling, moving up and down along that border. This art 
provoked something in me, and this is what art can do for all of us. You can see, even the way that Jesus taught, Jesus sought to display what art can do. Just think about all the different things that Jesus could have done, the Son of Man being here for just a little bit of time. But instead, what we find with Jesus is Jesus did not give a a book on systematic theology. He didn't hand people a manual on how to a church planning manual for changing the world. Jesus didn't write down a manifesto to make sure that we didn't debate things later on. Jesus spent three years walking a small region in Israel, befriending the least likely, healing the sick, giving hope to the marginalized, and teaching mostly in stories, confusing stories. Jesus believed that stories, the stories that he told and the stories that he lived, could change the world, and they have. I chose the scripture readings today because this psalm calls forth the church, the the people of God, to come together and bring their praise through creativity. It's like, you know, the, the calling for the people to gather and praise God's name through their different creative expressions. And then uh, it says, just a couple verses down, it says how God how God is the creator, through the power of his voice, how he spoke life into being. And then we find how Jesus wanted to describe the kingdom, his mission in this world, when he was asked, what is your kingdom like? And he says, well, I'm going to give you two word pictures. I want to give you a word picture about seeds and about yeast. That's not probably what the most evocative teaching could have been, but Jesus wanted to paint a picture that the kingdom of God is like a seed being planted, or it's like yeast being moved through something. This, these two things are easy to overlook, they're easy to dismiss, but if they are taken in, they have transforming power. In many ways, that's what art is like. They seem small, they seem easy to overlook, easy to dismiss, but if you're willing to receive it, It can transform you from the inside out. So today I was thinking through, uh, uh, going through this, talking about this together, and I thought instead of hearing from a pastor about the power of art, I thought it would be good, I thought it would be interesting to hear from an artist, an actual practitioner who seeks to create in such a way that makes peace. We have several artists in our church for which I'm really grateful for. And, uh, but there's one I've gotten to know over the last couple of months, and I thought they, this would be a great opportunity for them to share about how they do art. Uh, I've got to know a filmmaker, Greg Queter, 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 We're super close, guys. <laughs> we are so close, Queter. Uh, He's a writer, he's a director, he's produced uh, films, and I'm so excited to have him share today. For those who are listening in on the video or on our podcast, we're going to cut the feed here in a little bit because Greg is going to share some art that's not ready to go out into the world yet. Uh, But that being said, Greg, why don't you come up here? Would you welcome Greg, please? Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I'm Greg. Um... I'm really excited about this headset mic, uh, but now I just, oh, those are my notes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Not ready to improvise this. Um, need these. Also gives me something to do with my hands with the headset mic. Um, I've been working in film since 2008, and I recently um, counted that that was over 15 years, and then, and then I thought about that I'm going to be 40 in August, and then... And I got really sad. Um, but from the beginning, I, I wrote down a mission statement for my 
career as an artist. I was also an accounting major, so that gives you some indication. But I, um, I said that I would tell stories of human connection in impossible places. It was an instinct back in 2008, but it's a committed practice now. And what that means is that even in the darkest places that I've told stories within, slavery in the fishing industry in Thailand, a cycling team recovering from genocide in Rwanda, the heart of the US-Mexico border, a maximum security prison, I've seen that people can find each other, even if for just a glimmer of a moment. I believe that film is an empathy machine, and it has this immense power to transport us into another's point of view, as Mark said, to walk in their shoes, to feel through their senses. It allows us through story to witness what happens when one character can finally see another, really see them, what can happen, what is possible. When we experience the unique specificity of another's human story, it opens a door for us to understand them. Uh, the director, Bong Joon-ho, said at the Oscars when he won for Parasite, the most specific is the most universal. So, you can turn off the recording now. <laughs> because... Uh... Yeah. What is the kingdom of God like? What shall we compare it to? It's like a mustard seed that someone planted in the garden, and though it was small, it made a home for many. Again, what else should we compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a woman who takes a little bit of yeast and works it through 60 pounds of flour until it's ready to feed a whole mass of people. What is the kingdom of God like? It's about a teacher in a prison who helps these men realize that they're human and they're vulnerable and they can share it with one another. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like art that wakes us up. It teaches us how to be alive and it teaches us what compassion can be. This is my friends what the power of art can be. And I hope as a church and as a people that we can appreciate it and make good art that points to the Prince of Peace together. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about the Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to the Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.